On this week's episode of Midlife AF, I am going to question whether the stock standard gold star tactic that's used in sobriety circles is actually useful for longer term alcohol freedom. Over to me. you're a woman in midlife whose intuition is telling you that giving booze the elbow might be the next right move, then Midlife AF is the podcast for you. Join counsellor, psychotherapist, this naked mind and grey area drinking alcohol coach Emma Gilmore for a weekly natter about parenting quirky teens, menopause, relationships and navigating this thing called midlife alcohol free. If you're feeling that life could be so much more, that you're sick and tired of doing all the things for everyone else, if your intuition is waving her arms manically at you saying, it could all be so much easier if we didn't have to keep drinking, come with me. Together we'll find our groove without booze. Hello, gorgeous humans. How are you? Gosh, it's been a day for me today. I've had a big cry. I haven't done that in a long time. I really, um, I've been struggling with just the dichotomy of working with my neurodevised child and um, just that whole system that's built around pushing through and trying and how how harmful I think that is to us all. And I know I talked about this a couple of weeks ago, so I won't labour the point, but it was just a tough day today. It was a tough day when the poor little babe was lying in her bed. I'm trying to get her out to an appointment. She literally can't lift her head off the pillow. She can barely open her eyes and she's trying so hard. She physically can't move. She's in burnout, she's exhausted, and yet the powers that be, the healthcare system, the education system, expect me and her to somehow or other push through that um, and judge us to be failing in some way if we can't, as opposed to judging the system, which creates a world where neurodivergent kids are dropping like flies because this world isn't created for them. It's not created for anyone to to thrive, but at least of all for neurodivergent kids who, you know, have high sensory, like most people that I know who drink, highly sensitive, high sensory trauma, um, you know, very empathetic, very um, on high alert nervous systems, and you know it's um it's not helpful not helpful and i think the world's changing and i think we'll be part of the change but being part of the change is really fucking hard um which brings me on to talk about why i think and it kind of is linked everything's always linked isn't it synchronicity or in my book it's always linked Brings me on to something that I think keeps people stuck in alcohol fixation. And that is 
the very, very well tried and tested tool of pay it, play it forward. I always say pay it forward, which is a <laughs> which is a movie with Kevin Spacey. <laughs> Again, apologising for myself because I am in burnout a bit, and my ADHD menopause symptoms are pretty elevated at the moment. So my brain fog and my memory is not what it could be. But pay it forward, play it forward. Play it forward, and I know I talk about the bars, I've done two other podcasts on this, but play it forward buys into the idea that, actually before I start going into it, for those of you who don't know what play it forward is, it's basically one of the most used tools in in um, alcohol coaching, and it is to think about what's going to happen the next day. So put yourself in the position of the next day. And I'm not saying it doesn't have a place. I think it absolutely does have a place. And particularly in that first few days where you're trying to get a break from alcohol and, you know, you're trying to get the alcohol out of your system um, and you might be needing to use a little bit of willpower. But as we know, willpower is not helpful. And anyone who researches habit change or transformational change knows that willpower has absolutely nothing to do with it. It's the complete opposite of what we think the situation is because we're all brought up to think that willpower and kicking ourselves up the arse is the way forward. Absolutely not. It makes everything so much worse and it's one of the main things I focus on when I work with people around alcohol is how do we stop putting all that judgment and recrimination on ourselves and how do we stop kicking up ourselves up the arse to try and fix ourselves and to try and um, try and try harder. That's why it relates to what I'm talking about with my kids and this, you know, navigating autistic burnout. Uh, nervous system dysregulation to the point of shutdown um, and not being able to do anything because you're so completely and utterly exhausted, nervous system so overwhelmed. It's got so much to do with that because pushing through, striving, trying, these are all words that cause me to feel fatigue. Um, someone started knowing the lawn outside. That's awesome. <laughs> I hope this is still going to work. Um, they're all about willpower. They're all about, there's a force behind them. And I might have to know if they're going back. Sorry, guys. Um, there's a force behind them, and that force requires willpower. There's also scarcity behind them, and the scarcity comes from the focusing on fear. So focusing on the worry, the fear of what's going to happen in the morning. And anything, in my opinion, that comes from a place of scarcity, of grasping, of latching, 
is not going to be helpful. What I hear clients talk about using words like temptation, using words like I feel so good the next day, but in the moment, and what I really want to do and what my programs do is all about questioning this idea that in the moment alcohol has something to offer you that is good. Now, I'm not going to, and good. I don't, by good I don't mean a moralistic good or bad, I just mean that actually is a good you know feels good because i think we that's what we think it is we think it's that we think it has something for us and to a certain extent it does like everything we do we do for a reason there's nothing wrong with everything we do right and i often say to people in my groups it's very understandable that people keep drinking drinking is a really 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 good tool to escape what is happening for us and for many people it's actually safer and this is controversial to stay drinking than it is to be with whatever we're drinking to escape from and we might not be ready to deal with that we might not be able to deal with that we might not have the resources to deal with that you know talking from the place of privilege there may be you know there may not be uh, a, a great resolution so again taking all of those things into account for me the change came when I started to realize that the person I was escaping was me and the person I was escaping was me in distress. And as I escape me in distress, I abandon me. And as I abandon me, I abandon myself. I abandon my essence. I abandon my potential. And that is not to say that if you do that, that's bad. Or if you don't do that, that's good. There's... If we could just take morals out of so much in our lives, you know, comes down to whether or not we think we're bad or good. And it's so frustrating for me and people who work in alcohol who know that anybody can become addicted to alcohol because it's an addictive substance. And we have a society that perpetuates exactly what I'm seeing I'm trying to do to my kid, pushing through when we're exhausted, ignoring, suppressing our needs, being on such high alert and pushing ourselves down constantly because it works really, really well for everybody else. And we think we're living in such a modern society and we're not. We're so not. I speak to so many women who are not living in a modern society at all. And I'm not just talking about the way that work is factored into the way that, you know, division of labour is factored into our households and that can be really fucked up anyway. But I'm just talking about, you know, some really basic stuff here around what's expected and what we're expected to do as women. And addressing some of those things is really scary. 
um, a lot of it's got to do with relationships. A lot of it's got to do with our beliefs about ourselves, you know. Some of us come from trauma, you know, there's trauma there. Um, but I really want to, and I advocate for getting away from the idea that escaping that is the solution, is the reprieve, because everything I know from research, from all the reading that I've done, which is heaps because I love it, one of my core values and my hyper-focus is obsessing long about how this works. Is that in order to grow, in order to move forward, and I don't mean grow as in like, you know, become enlightened or anything like that. I just mean in order to move forward, to stop being stuck, to stop pushing ourselves down, to stop reducing our potential, to stop and start trying to cultivate this life and this love affair with ourselves, this beautiful essence of human being that was born and put on this world to be all the fucking things. You know, we that part of us is hurting. The thousand little paper cuts of suppression, oppression, of saying our needs don't matter, of being hyper-focused on everybody else because we're in fight or flight, because we are how we are, intergenerational, we've been persecuted, you know, and I'm going to take it that far back, but our nervous system is built to be on a fight or flight, yeah? I only walked down the um, street the other day in the dark and I'm looking behind me, guys walking behind me. Yeah, we're always like this as women, it's, you know, how we we are. But every time we drink, we are walking away from ourselves. And that, for me, is the gold. So once it turns away from this warm, honey escape, you know, so many reasons why we drink. So much of it's to do with productivity and to do with getting a rest from our minds. Yeah? And of course we want to rest from our minds. Of course we want to be able to cut loose. Of course we want to, you know, fit in and all those other things. But there's no bad about this. All of our reasons for drinking make sense. They're really good. But escaping ourselves, avoiding our feelings, avoiding the situation that we're in, not caring for ourselves. And by that I mean so many of us have been taught that our emotions are bad, that we shouldn't show them, that we should suck it up, that we should just get on with it, that we shouldn't, you know, make a fuss, take up space, all this stuff. And so many of us, are so, it's so ingrained in us that we find ourselves drinking whenever we're in that situation because we don't want to put our head above the parapet for good reasons a lot of the time for really good reasons. But what I want to offer you is this idea that it's actually suppressing us. It's actually keeping us small. 
this that that escape from ourselves is stopping us in our tracks it's keeping us small it's keeping us it might be keeping us safe i don't think it's keeping us safe in the long term but it might be keeping us safe for a while and that's okay right we don't have to stop drinking we don't have to do anything do it when it's the right time for us but don't kid yourself that that 20 minutes is anything good for you apart from abandoning yourself leaving yourself leaving your precious little self who's saying i'm overwhelmed i'm exhausted this doesn't feel right to me i can't do this anymore you know listen to what you've got to say what is that is the thing for me about a craving and i was talking about this in my groups because i really and i know i've talked about this before but i really hate the terminology the wine witch to me that part of ourselves that's coming in to save us with wine is a wine savior. They think that part of us, it's usually a very young part, it hates to see us in distress. Because a lot of the time we've been told we shouldn't be distressed. You know, we shouldn't make a fuss, we shouldn't cry, we shouldn't be over-exuberant, we shouldn't be too much. I mean, how many of us have heard that? We shouldn't interrupt, we shouldn't be excited, we shouldn't, you know. And... That wine saviour is like, we feel discomfort because we judge ourselves. So the judgment's the problem. So it's judgment and the wine saviour. Judgment comes in and it likes to punish us. It likes to tell us we're bad. It likes to tell us we're wrong. And again, don't be shitty with it. Don't be shitty with any of these bits. They're all good bits. They've all got a purpose. They're there to protect and keep us safe. They just need redirecting. Don't make any of these bits bad. The wine which isn't a wine which is just part of you saying, I'm feeling like shit. And the wine saviour's coming in and going, I'm going to save you with wine. That's what we do. We've always done that. It makes you feel better. You don't have to feel the thing. But what different approach could you have if you're feeling the feeling it's coming up strong and Instead of trying to save you from it, you, you repurpose your wine saviour so that he listens to you. Because half the time, that's all we need, right? Today, somebody listened to me, cried my eyes out, cried my eyes out. Somebody listened and believed me about what was going on with my kid. Rather than judging me, rather than making me or my kid bad, they listened and they believed, and they said the right thing. That is all we need half the time. All a craving needs is for us to fucking listen to it. The craving isn't about having alcohol. The, the wine savior is about having alcohol. He's trying to take you away from the craving. And it's the taking away from, it's not being with the craving that causes the problem. So we've got two things happening. Our precious self is saying, I want to be heard. Something's not right. I'm not happy. I'm frustrated. My kids are driving me bonkers. My husband's a dickhead. My boss is an arsehole. Nobody cares. Whatever. Our wine save is like, oh, girl, you poor thing. Let's go have some wine. It'll be okay. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. 
myself. I've got puppets, by the way. My hand's doing puppets. I hope you can see these little figures that I might pretend to It's got voices. Anyway, I digress. Um, so the wine saviors. So what if we said the wine saviors said instead, oh, man, that sucks, man. Oh, I could see why you'd be so fucked off. Isn't it shitty to be feeling undervalued? And then we can get into the, I'm feeling undervalued. I'm feeling put upon. I'm feeling overwhelmed. I can't stand the noise. And then we can get into what's the belief that's behind that. So often when we're feeling undervalued, I was talking to a client the other day, and we were going into, so, you know, if you're letting your boundaries be crossed, and I, for example, often let my boundaries be crossed, and it's a real, it's a real uh, work in progress for me because I have very, like many of us, I have very porous boundaries, especially us drinkers, highly sensitive, neurodivergent people. We have a very good reason. A lot of the time we need to be aware of danger. We need to keep ourselves safe. We need to be very porous. It's not very profound nervous systems, though. It leaves us depleted like my poor little baby in the bedroom next door. Um, but what we really need when we're in these states of high anxiety is somebody to listen and comfort. The inner child in us who's crying out, listen to what it wants to say. It wants to say, I've had enough. It wants to scream. Does it want to shout? Does it want to say, fuck you? What does it want to say? Let it. Let's listen to it. It's, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay to take up space. It's okay to be loud. It's okay to have to be upset. It's okay to have a bad day. We don't have to smile and be like, fucking Oh, it's all great. No fun. Ah. You know, it's like Stepford Wives. Everyone's walking around pretending everything's fine, but sounding like it's really not. Um, but then we can get into the belief. So what does it mean about you? What are you making it mean about you? that somebody doesn't respect your boundaries, that somebody takes advantage of you, that you're feeling undervalued, that your husband treats you like shit, that your kids are really annoying and don't pick after, after themselves. Because the what the people do isn't the issue. How we interpret what they do, that's the issue. And what we make that mean about us, that's the biggest issue. And if we can get into that, so, for example, if people don't value you, does that mean that you're a person who doesn't deserve to be valued? And who's a person that doesn't deserve to be valued? A person who doesn't matter, a person who's not worthwhile, a person who's unworthy. So that's where you get to the belief that's underneath that. And then it's like, okay, so yes, I can transform some beliefs, but sometimes it's just a matter of knowing they're there and separating ourselves from them somewhat. So I am feeling like this because at some point in my life, I took on the belief of I'm not worthy or I don't matter because the person who was supposed to be my caregiver or a teacher, whatever, didn't reflect back to me my value. 
And so I've taken this on board because it's easier for me as a child to take on board the fact that there's something wrong with me than to believe that the world is screwed and people are assholes. I say that in a, in a tongue-in-cheek way, but it's actually really true. Um, and so it's those, it's what we make the mean, the meaning that we give to the feeling. So I'd say, for example, I was talking about this in my group, let's say, um, I'm no fun, I'm no fun. So I'm no fun is the reason why I drink. I drink because I want to be fun, and so I feel this very strong urge to be fun. So it's it's, it's kind of not about that. And, yeah, we can break up the idea of fun. We can do, like, some kind of lateral thinking around that. But is it true? Is it not true? What's an alternative belief that we could have? But in reality, it's not really about that. It's about what does it mean? What does it mean if I'm not fun? What does it mean about me? What am I making that mean about me? Does it mean I'm unlovable? Does it mean I'm going to be alone? I mean, these are sort of things that sit behind all of our core beliefs. And this is where the work is. And this is where we need to understand that the trigger, the craving, the, it's not coming from anything that's happening. It's coming from something way back in our past and it's coming from a belief, an interpretation of a feeling, which is why when I work with clients, we really focus in on what's the core emotion, not the interpretation, not the narrative that we give to the situation, because that's in a way, in and of itself, is a way of escaping from the real emotion. And it's in the real emotion that we get the information. So how do we feel it in our body? When was the first time we felt that? Did we, were we able to share that with anybody? If the answer is no, what would have been helpful for us in that moment? And nine times out of 10, it's for somebody to say, you matter, you really matter. Just because you are, you're worthwhile just because you are. What did you need? I needed a big hug and a cuddle. I needed someone to tell me I was loved. And there's someone to tell me I'm not alone. There's nothing wrong with me. I'm great. I'm awesome. I'm this amazing essence of self. And I've got all this beautiful, bountiful potential. The world's chipped away at me. But underneath it all, I'm still there. Still fucking there. So stop abandoning me. Stop leaving me in my distress. And listen to me, because I've got shit to say to you. Anyway, I'll leave it on that note. <laughs> so for me, I don't, you've not seen me live, but I've had puppet hands. There have been all sorts of characters. There's been voices. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. I'd love to hear your feedback. It's a really juicy area, but I think it's really the key to believing there is nothing for you in alcohol. Knowing you may want to escape yourself is fine. Yeah, that's fine. Nothing wrong with that. Again, no morality here at all. It's a substance, a chemical, right? It does chemical stuff to us and makes us want more of it. Nothing to do with being good, nothing to do with being bad. That's all society and stigma. That's all bullshit. That's all shame. Doesn't help any of us. I'll leave you with that, my friends. Please, please try and cultivate a relationship with yourself and stop leaving yourself in your distress. Find out what the fuck's going on. What are you stressed about? What do you need to listen to? Sometimes it's just about listening. Yeah? You know, if somebody asks you for advice, 
or somebody comes to you with a problem, if they start giving you advice, telling you how to fix it, you don't want that. You just want them to fucking listen. So I'm asking you to listen to yourselves and stop demonizing yourself. There is nothing wrong with you. Everything that you need is inside you. You can do this. All right. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Midlife AF with Emma Gilmore. If you enjoyed it, please share on Instagram for your friends and tag me at Hope Rising Coaching. If you want to help me grow the podcast, please review the episodes for me on Apple Podcasts. That really helps. If you would like to work further with me, please go to my website, www.hoperisingcoaching.com for my free and paid programs or email me at emma at hoperisingcoaching.com. Sending a massive cuddle to you and yours from me and mine. And remember to keep choosing you.